This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. One of the common themes we hear from listeners and fly fishing friends is that they don't get to fish as much as they'd like. They face an obstacle which keeps them from time on the river, and Dave and I face that same obstacle too. Today we're going to name that obstacle for you, and we're going to talk about how to deal with it. The name of that obstacle is life. Yes, life often gets in the way of fly fishing. When that happens, what can you do about it, or what should you do about it? Dave, what are some of the obstacles that life puts in our way when we want to fly fish? The most obvious and first one is economics. And we all wish that we could fish more than we do, and we wish we could buy more gear than we could even imagine. I'm always pining for that new fly rod. That's right. You remember we were talking to that one guide out in Montana, courtesy. Didn't he say he had like 48 rods? Yeah, I know it. (laughs) Maybe that was a little bit of an overstatement. But um, (laughs) anyway, he... We all wish we could have 48 rods, but <laughs> That's right. most of us who fly fish, we're not the archetypical man or woman in midlife who has unlimited money and unlimited time, and we can spend our days just thinking about fly fishing. And so much of the branding of fly fishing gear seems to be targeted to the person with unlimited both time and income. Well, that's so true. And most of us are just not in that space, right? And even if I was, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I'd spend all my time fly fishing. But um, I remember being with my brother. We were fishing in the Driftless and running into, crazily, someone that he knew. And you looked at these two men, and they were probably both in their late 60s. And they had every branded piece of gear that you could imagine sims supermodels huh? they were sims <laughs> supermodels they didn't <laughs> they didn't have the physique of a sims yeah, supermodel right, but, <laughs> but they had every piece of gear and i think i mean they were perfect and of course they had caught no yeah. fish right so yeah which was you know yep so so how do you deal with that how do we try to deal with you know the economic side of it because you and i are both uh um uh, yeah, we working stiffs, right? Yeah, we're kind of um, you know when you think about it worldwide. I mean, we're all upper class. But, yeah, we're all in the one percent up, yeah, you know, worldwide but, for sure. Yeah, but we have you know we we have to you know watch our budgets and uh, families to, to take care of. So how do we deal with this? I think each year is a new year, and for us, my wife and I, we have two kids in college, so that's a huge grind for us right now. So you make choices, you make decisions. I think there are years in which you have to say, I can't do this trip or that trip. And when have we ever done that, Dave? <laughs> I remember remember those those years during the Great yeah. Recession. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and my business was struggling during yeah. that time for a window of time. Yeah. And I think we went to Montana twice that year. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I know. But remember, after that, that was kind of our dream. We could do this twice a year, and we had to say no. Uh, financially, we can only do it once. Yeah, yeah. so I, I definitely think that life does force you to make hard choices, yeah. and mm-hmm. that's that's called life, and, and life isn't the obstacle. I also think economics forces you to simplify your life and prioritize. I mean, you, maybe you can't do both golf and fly fish, right? Um, 
and and it no also, hardship for me the way that I golf. Yeah, there's yeah. no yeah. hardship for me. I oh my gosh, I, yeah. yeah, that was so easy to give up. Yeah, but but you know you're you're right. So yesterday I had a conversation with a, a friend who likes to ski, and he he knew I lived in Montana for a couple decades, and he said, "Well, did you ski?" I said, "You know what." I did some cross-country skiing, downhill a couple times. I would have loved to do more downhill, but there were two things. One was time, but the biggest was really money. Yeah, it's expensive. And you're right. You've got to prioritize. And, and in fact, as I talked to him, I said, you know what I decided is what I love doing most is, well, it was then it was hunting and fly fishing. Now, uh, I mean, I could get back into elk hunting, you know, bow hunting for elk, rifle hunting for elk in a heartbeat, hunting whitetail. But... Money's an issue, and I've, I've decided at this time in my life, I mean, what I love to do most is, is fly fish. So that's where the money is going to go, the limited amount of money that I have to invest in, in what I love to do. I think when you were in Montana, your kids were also at that age where if you had gone downhill skiing, you need to take your kids with you, right? right? So you can't mm-hmm. just bail on your family. And, yeah. And, and, and plus that isn't even all that much fun, like going by yourself or just a friend when you right. have your kids yep. who are in high school or middle school and yep. want to go skiing as well. Oh, that's so, so true. I did learn to snowboard uh, about 10 years ago when my boys were younger and, of course, one day out and they were already surpassing me. <laughs> but I did take the, you know, I did say, okay, I, this is a time in which I'm yeah. going to go out several times a year. We went up to Wisconsin. Of course, those are more little bumps than they are mountains. Yeah, bunny hills. Huh? Yeah, they are bunny hills. It's <laughs> yeah. a great place to learn how to snowboard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Really. But you're right. Absolutely. You have to yeah. make choices and it changes from year to year. And, yep. and, and I think the simplifying your life to what you s- want to focus on singly mm-hmm. is really a good strategy. Yep, absolutely. So economics, uh, that's, a, that's a huge issue. That's one of the obstacles you have to overcome. Uh, another one is what I would call the intense stretches of life. And that might be when the kids are born or when you have three or four little ones underfoot. Uh, even when they get older, I mean, for a while, we had three kids in high school sports in Montana. And, and I have to say, I loved it. Uh, you know, we attended games. We worked around practices. I, I actually did a lot of uh, PA announcing for you high school You think with that voice? <laughs> and he drains <laughs> another three. Yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I kind of missed that. In fact, I, I actually called... Uh, couple games where my son and future son-in-law played each other uh, my son actually got a flagrant foul against his f- future brother-in-law were you calling that games. game yes i was <laughs> it was actually towards the end you know how you're you're trying to foul because uh, my son ben was playing my son future son-in-law grant grant's team was ahead so ben had to foul him and you know and, and he so how'd you call that carried away I don't, I don't remember. Dead silence. What, I don't remember what I said. <laughs> or did you scream to the ref, that wasn't flagrant. Yeah, I know. I probably shook my head. But anyway. <laughs> That's uh, fun. Yeah, not to digress. But, I, I mean, I love that. I am not complaining about that at all. But the, the fact is, that did cut into fly fishing time. It, it just did. My brother Matt is a physician at Mayo Clinic. He oversees breast cancer research there. He has nine children. And so, you know, he's at this an intense moment in his life where I think the oldest is a freshman in college. The youngest is four years old. And they, you know, it's just an intense time for him. But he still figures out a way to get out with one of his sons 
to Oregon every year. And so he has figured a workaround, you know, during this intense you know, stretch of life. Right. So mm-hmm. sometimes you really do have to sacrifice for the greater good. Yeah, you do. And, and you sometimes do. it's suffering, right? So mm-hmm. you're going through a time where, you know, you might be going through a divorce. You might be going through um, some really difficult times with your kids, you know, that can really you know, mm-hmm. health-wise or perhaps yep. that are not so great for them. And, and right. you know what? You have to take care of business, right? Yep, you and, do. And you have to sacrifice you for the do. greater good. This isn't – I love the fly fishing industry, but their stories are all branding stories about the good life, and the good life just isn't all that. It just isn't fly fishing, right? And, and a lot of us have to deal with very, very difficult situations in our lives. And during some intense stretches, I think you have to sacrifice for what, what you really need to do first, right? Right. right. And on the flip side, it, it's true that sometimes you, you can't afford not to fly fish. and That's th- true. Th- there is a sense in which you have to carve out time. That's kind of our philosophy. <laughs> it is. That's right. <laughs> well, I remember when I, you know, when I, I first started, uh, you know, finished college, graduate school, and thinking, wow, I'm going to have to discipline myself not to fly fish or hunt too much. But it was actually the opposite. I, I found I had to discipline myself to, to do what I love to do just because life gets intense. So that's the other side of it. And Sometimes you'll be a better father, you'll be a better husband, you'll be a better worker if you can and if you can get a little bit of downtime, uh, you'll be more effective. Now, yeah, you you could abuse that, and and all you do with your life is downtime. But most uh, of us, I don't think, struggle with that. I have a friend no. who is on my uh, board of my company. He's an investment banker, mm-hmm. and he was telling me about uh, a colleague who just retired from investment banking, and talking about all the regret that he had focused so much on his work. Mm-hmm. And so now that he's retired, he's realized, you know, the relationship with his family is, yeah. is not what it could be. Mm-hmm. He's also missed out on all these years of doing things like fly right. fishing, right? Yep. You, you're so focused on your work. And the corporate life, you know, they'll take what you give them. Oh, and yeah. and, mm-hmm. and at, at the end of the day, even though you're aspiring mm-hmm. to this or that, you're using up the years of your life, and you don't realize that at the time. You're right, and you know both you and I are in in vocations where that's easy to happen. I'm in I'm in pastoral ministry, and I'm on call twenty four seven. I I am, and, and I'm fine with that. But I realize in some ways the job is never done. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And it's the same for you, and in, in what you do with a. You know, you're an entrepreneur. You you've got a business that you've uh, built from scratch, and uh, boy, you 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 talk about like wow, you could set your own hours when you're self-employed. Well, no, you you are employed. You've got you know everybody that you your clients are are your employees in a way, and it's. I'm going to admit something that I probably shouldn't because this really sounds uh, a bit dark, but I'm trying to think in the last 17 years since I've started my business, I don't think I've ever gone on a trip, a vacation without my phone. Yeah. I don't think Mm -hmm. I've ever gone a day without either downloading email, responding. Yeah. And it's, it's, I don't know how to say it. Last night I was up until about eight or nine. I, I, uh, and then I finally went to bed probably nine 30 or 10. But again, you're cranking on stuff. You got clients. You know, a Mm -hmm. lot of our clients have been entrepreneurs, so they work like that as well. And so, mm-hmm. anyway, so I do think 
my whole life has been intense. So yeah. fly fishing is really important for me. Yep. And you're absolutely right. You do have to actually carve out time mm-hmm. to do it. it. It's one of those really important disciplines that even in the intense stretches of life, I think you have to think about how do I get out on the river? Maybe it does require you to prioritize mm-hmm. what you're doing, but yep. how do I get on the river? And because that, you know, it's just one of those great gifts once you really hit the is. river, right? It really is. So economics is an obstacle, intense stretches of life, but there, there are more, aren't there? I think health is one of those. We've had several people who have emailed us. I remember one recently, actually it was about a year ago, someone who had emailed who was going through chemotherapy. Yeah. Remember that? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, and he was just hoping to have enough strength to go out once or twice. Yeah, I know. And, and so health does get in the way. Yep. I mean, you think it's just for people who are older, but you break a leg, you, um, you know. Yeah, tear an MCL or ACL or yeah, strokes or even depression. Yeah. Uh, we had mm-hmm. remember we had someone who had emailed us talking about just the deep depression that he had gone yeah. through, and it was really really moving that I he know. sent that to us. And, and sometimes, yeah, you would think, oh, well, the cure for depression is to get out and fly fish. Yeah, that's true, but sometimes the depression makes you give up the one thing that you love most, doesn't it? Yeah, I tell you, depression. Uh, I, we ha- I have it in our family and. I, Mm-hmm. in my extended family and it's just crushing absolutely crushing i remember a summer in montana when money was low and and i ended up getting sideways with some people to whom i was close and yeah fishing might have been good medicine but honestly dave there were days where my heart just wasn't in it yeah and, and i almost had to force myself to to go out and fly fish and when i did it was it was good medicine for the soul but it, it's tough so how can you deal with this? What are some things that you can do to overcome that the health obstacle? It's a bit like the intense stretches of life. I, I think you have to take care of yourself and focus what's at hand. And I, I just don't think fly fishing is going to reverse your depression. And right. I think it can contribute to better emotional health. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that, but I, you know, I don't think the answer to, to whatever it is you're struggling with is is fish more. No, I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean that sounds pretty simplistic, no, doesn't it? Right, and you, I mean, you think of Ernest Hemingway, and you think of some other very tortured souls who fly fished, and uh, yeah, things or, didn't end well. Yeah, yeah no, they that's didn't. That's not end just well. a magic band aid. So that's another one would be would be lack of friends. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for someone who's fly fished or hunted with a partner to stay at it after. Uh, they lose a person, the person dies, or maybe they move away. It's not easy. You know, I, I have to say you, you only make so many close friends in a lifetime, and, you know, this isn't a mushy podcast, but, I mean, I'm thankful for our friendship, and, yep. and that's, uh, that's been one of my life's great gifts, and that's also enabled the, the fly fishing to happen. And I, I feel bad when I, I talk to people and they say, man, I'd love to do this. I really don't have anybody to do it with. And, and yeah, making friends is hard. Sometimes I suppose fly fishing can be the, the uh, what, the catalyst for that to happen. But sometimes it can also be the, the lack of friendships can be the obstacle that keeps you from fly fishing. So I don't know, Dave, what, what would you say? How do you, how do you deal with that? I think you have to be careful not to be too simplistic, you know, as we think about this. I don't think the answer is just simply go find a friend to fly fish, right? Yeah, what do you it's mean It's harder by that? than it looks. What do you mean uh, by that? Um, I think often, 
<laughs> when you want to be a friend most or you you want to create a friend or be or you know have more friends you're kind of at a position in which you're probably not at a good place to be a friend right you're kind <laughs> of needy and nobody likes a, needy people <laughs> that that is a great insight that is a great insight yeah. and, and you you want to receive as opposed to give and i mm-hmm. think i think the way you start friendships over a long period of time is you give, 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 you initiate. And I mm-hmm. know that our gender, I'm not going to speak for yeah. you know, the female gender, but our gender tends to be more passive, not always, yeah. but tends to be more passive and, and, and wants to take, right? I, I, so often yeah. I will go on client meetings and come away like, like lunches. I do a ton of, you know, eating out with clients and prospects mm-hmm. and I'll ask about three or four questions. And an hour later, that person has not asked oh, a single no. question of me, not a that's, single question. That's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but, but I know what you mean about the give, give, give. I mean, that's what I had to do to become friends with you. <laughs> No, You're still actually, giving. Yeah, actually, actually, it was take, take, take. Remember, uh, you know, we're on the same college campus, and you're the guy who had the Blue Nova. Dave, any chance I could borrow your your Blue Nova? Because I know you're working in the library today, and I'd like to go fishing, or I've got a date tonight. I remember one time you came in the library with fish. I think you actually, I don't know if you brought them in physically. It was back, you know, prior was, to catch yeah, and release. That was so cruel, wasn't it? Oh, 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 oh. Well, so I took cruel. for so many years because I, I mean, I'm still take. I, I steal everything you do. So, oh, if Steve's doing this, I should do this too. Oh, oh, if man. Steve is doing taking out, no wonder his, your life isn't as high quality. As you you start using the bru- the spruce moth attractor pattern, and boy, I just filled my fly oh, box man. with all those. <laughs> hey, we we copy up, we feed off each other, we we copy each other. So, and that's the beauty of a good friendship, isn't it? Yeah. So you know, one of the great. I, you know, the river runs through it is such a cliche in some way. That movie. Yeah. I mean, you just want you could refer to it forever because mm-hmm. forever because it's such a classic. But in at the end of the movie, Norman or the main character mm-hmm. is now an old man, and he, he there's this narration. He's he's sitting by the river trying to tie a fly, and he mm-hmm. talks about that all the people of his life are now gone. Mm. Yep. And so here he is alone at the side of a river. Some people say he said. That shouldn't he shouldn't go out alone, but here he is, and I think the phrase is with the hope that a fish will rise. Yeah, thought, wow, oh, yeah, and mm-hmm. that you know you and I have said, man, when because one of us is going to die at some point, yeah. <laughs> hopefully mm-hmm. later than sooner. Hopefully yeah. that we still fly fish after that happens. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Kind of as a as a tribute to the other. That, yeah, that's so for true. sure. Because I don't think my kid my kids will fly fish, but they're going to be living elsewhere. So yeah. I'm going to have to carry on myself. Uh, I know. What's another uh, obstacle that some fly fishers face? I think your spouse or partner, um, and you and I cannot relate to this simply. In fact, we had someone recently who uh, mentioned the struggle that he had had with a spouse and just her inability to understand why he needed to get out and felt like it was just taking too much time of the family. Obviously, we don't know the entire situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, it'd be great for you guys to do a podcast with your wives sometimes. And and we will definitely do that. Yeah, I'm not sure, fun. though, how ha- how helpful that would be. Yeah. Because I've never really struggled with that. I've never no. had to, like, do some deep explaining and convincing that I need to go fly fishing. Our have wives, you? No, our wives have been very gracious. I, I do think... I do think early on, I know I wasn't as sensitive. We'd 
You know, we lived oh, in come Montana. On. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I know. Hard you to both, believe. You have always been the ultimate spouse. Yeah, but yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we would go over to my folks who lived about an hour away. They lived just north of Yellowstone Park. And, and I would go over and we'd take a couple kids and we'd stay, you know, on my day off. And, you know, I'd bow hunt with my dad and then we'd all, you know, kind of be there as a family. And, and it was fun, but I realized it was a lot of work for my my wife and although the flip side of it was my kids still well i laugh about it i, I think it's they, they're still scarred where they the, the day after you no know, yeah the day after thanksgiving you know black friday before it became such a big thing my my wife and sisters-in-law and my mom did the black friday thing and they'd go to bozeman and so we had the kids and there were like two of my brothers and my dad and so usually, though, we were trading off. One of us would be watching the kids while the other two were out hunting deer <laughs> up the gulch. And, of course, the kids, you know, that was the, they, they still say, oh, you guys were so crabby and so mean. And say, no, we were fun. We did all these fun things. Yeah, no, That's not did. their yeah, memory. Yeah, that's right. Revisionist, you know, revisionist yeah, that's history. Right. Revisionist history. <laughs> so, no, I, I do think that... Yeah, I, I wish I would have been a little bit more sensitive. But through the years, I mean, we've, we've kind of worked together and and tried to find ways to support each other and our interests. You know, if my wife wanted to fly fish, I'd, I'd take her in a heartbeat. And she's dabbled in it a little bit. And, you know, when it's one of my sons who works with her, that just works a whole <laughs> lot better. But she has other interests. She loves the outdoors. And so she's been very gracious, very uh, happy to let me do it. But... Yeah, the, the fact is, uh, you know, if you're going to deal with this, uh, you do have to think about how do I how do I love my family in this, and how do I, you know, how do I care for them, and still find ways to do this. And I think if you're creative, uh, it can be done, but it it takes some sacrifice. You know, I do it, think you have to look at the whole of your life. Yes. and you know how yeah. much is fly fishing impinging on the family? It could be that you're going out, you know. 40 times a year and you've got five kids yeah, that's, that's that could be a problem mm -hmm, right, and, right. And, and and maybe your spouse has good reason <laughs> yeah to yeah. to wonder mm -hmm. if fly fishing is is impinging on the family but yeah. um you know is fly fishing only one of several time intensive and money yes. intensive sports mm -hmm. so maybe you're doing three things yep. right no. uh and maybe you should be only doing one i don't know it's i don't want to preach but no. um or maybe you're spouse is just plain psycho <laughs> yeah that could happen <laughs> i mean i don't mean to yeah. oh, that that's that's cruel but I, I mean sometimes you do have a spouse who's just suffering from depression or suffering mm -hmm. from something else right. and yeah. i think you know what you got to look at your role yeah. as a spouse to uh and to serve her or serve him that's true and and i think you have to figure it out you're right sounds kind of cliche doesn't no, it it's, it's so true though Oh, I have to say this, though. The one thing that I think my wife still does hold a little bit of a grudge against me is for what she has coined as fly fishing time. You know, I'll say, I'm going to be back at 6. Now, is that fly fishing time or is that real time? <laughs> so so it's really 8 o'clock? Yeah, <laughs> or 9, you know. Yeah, and she says, you always have an excuse. Says, yeah, but this one thing. Yeah, but every time you have an excuse. So anyway... Uh, maybe one more that we could touch on. We've, we've talked about this obstacle a little bit, but I think we I think there's more to say. So let's come back to it, and that would be vocation. Now, I'm going to say that fly fishing can actually enhance our vocations because of the refreshment it provides. And, and I would argue that 
sometimes if you work a few less hours and spend them doing activities that are refreshing that you may get more work out of uh, yeah you're more productive yeah 55 hours versus 70 hours yet we have to be careful not to let fly fishing eclipse our vocation you know unless our vacation is somehow integrally connected to fly fishing you know you're a guide you're a fly shop owner you're a writer for tu but I don't know, Dave. I don't know that. I, I mean, I love what I do, and and I love the way that fly fishing contributes to it. I don't know if I would necessarily like uh, a fly fishing vocation. I don't think I would. I think we're too often enamored with the fly fishing industry. I, I at least myself, mm-hmm. and and, and full time professionals. I think we wrongly think that they're living the good life, and and, and that we are not. And I just I just don't think it's true. No. I think of like Toby, who's that fly shop owner out in Montana. And yes, he gets to do, you know, he does some exotic trips at certain parts of the year. But if you're a fly shop owner, that that guy's working seven days a week for yeah. about 100 days straight. A lot of pressure. 150 days straight. So you, I really can't look at his life and go, I wish I had his life. I don't think I, I don't think I want that life. No. And uh, so I, I think that the, the, the full-time model or the person who can fish 50, 60 days a year, I don't know, that's certainly not what I aspire to. I think our vocation is what should be our pursuit. I think that's what helps ultimately that gives us mm-hmm. purpose, a sense of mission. Right. And, you know, for example, our podcast is an avocation. Yeah, it's not a is, vocation. We're, we're doing this on our day off and it's it's energizing. It's it's, it's And a we'll lot stop of fun. doing it when it stops being yeah, energizing, right? That's right. So Hopefully that helps you think a little bit about obstacles. There's always obstacles that keep you from fly fishing. I think what we're trying to say, maybe our takeaway, is that if, you, uh, if you're creative, if you're thoughtful about these, if, if you're, uh, you know, really set your mind to it, you can find some ways to uh, overcome them, to get out on the water, and even to make those obstacles uh, maybe even work for you. Well, it's time now for great stuff from our listeners. Bob offered this comment on our piece on 10 Commandments for Staying Warm in Cold Conditions. He said, I took a wilderness survival class, and the two best pieces of advice were you lose 80% of your body heat from your head and shoulders. Now, that's not the, the advice. This is setting it up. So keep them covered well. Keep your head and shoulders covered well. If your feet and hands are cold, cover your head. Second, your body needs fuel to generate heat, so eat lots of calories before enduring exposure. Hey, we're all for that. Oh, man, we're, we're experts yeah, at that. Yeah, yeah. It should be over 3,000 calories a day. What? I thought that was 3,000 calories a meal. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> if we only would have known. <laughs> okay, then he says, my final advice from experience is do not restrict the blood flow to your lower legs and feet with tight socks, thermals, and boots. You know, that's, that's a that great is a piece really of good piece of advice. Yeah, when I've had uh, wading boots that are too tight, it actually makes your feet get cold. Um, yeah, having a, having a more loose-fitting pair. It's not just that it's comfortable. It actually helps the blood circulate and you stay warmer. So recently, back in January, when I uh, took off and, and went fly fishing for a day, I just took off about six hours. I think I told the story in a blog post, but... When I left to go fly fishing, it was 51 degrees. When I got to the river, it was 32. Oh, man. And so, and when I got off the river, it had already dropped to 20 degrees. And so within about two hours of fly fishing, it had gone from 32 to 20 degrees wow. Fahrenheit. 
And and so it was unbelievably mm. cold, but I was not prepared. I had put, I thought, my cap in, gloves. When I got to the river, I realized I had forgotten them back at home mm-hmm. in a different duffel bag. Wow. So I did have a, I could put a, uh, my jacket, my the hood up over my ears, but I mm-hmm. was so stinking cold. Wow. I generally don't like gloves whenever I fly fish, but I lost a lot of heat through my head. And I tell you what, when I got back to the truck, I was so frozen oh, and so cold. But, And it's not that I don't know this after growing up in North Dakota. Right. right? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. this is mm-hmm. patently, you either die up, up there, you die, right? Because yep. it's, it's minus 20 plus wind chill. So but anyway, it was just a, this is a good reminder. Yeah, it and, really is. Uh, and also the tight socks, thermals, and boots. That's another great reminder yeah, as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so thanks, Bob. Appreciate your uh, input. Well, that's going to do it for today. What are some of the obstacles life has put in your way when it comes to fly fishing? How have you thought about them or dealt with them? We'd love to hear your uh, input. Uh, you can join the conversation by going to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. How has life made it challenging for you to fly fish, and how have you handled that? You can find us on all the social platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you'd like to send us an idea for a podcast, please do so. We need all the help we can get. You can email us at stevedave, that's one word, stevedave at twoguysinariver.com. Be sure to sign up for our weekly email alerts on our website. So when you hit the website and uh, that little widget pops up, be sure to enter your email and you'll get our weekly email alerts. We also want to thank all of you who have purchased our book, The Fly Fisher's Book of Lists. The book is really a cliff notes of all the fly fishing hacks and tips that we've accumulated through the years. And those of you who have not yet purchased it, you can find it on Amazon. One last thing, our podcast subscribers have grown significantly over the past year, and that's simply because of you. You've referred the podcast. Just want to say a big thanks. Yes, thank you very much. And thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. (music) Thank you.